Welcome to the Christian Life Austin Sunday Morning Message. Today is part two of Oh But You Can by lead pastor Rex Johnson. We talked last week about saying yes to God. You remember that? We said yes to God last week. And God's promises are yea and amen. If there's 7,000 of them plus, every one of them's a yes. There's no no's with God. But he said, let your yea be yea and let your nay be nay. For anything else will be an abomination. It, 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 will, it will cause confusion in your life. And so I want you to understand that we said yes, yes to God. And now today I'm going to continue this same title, but a different part of it. We're going to talk about, oh, but yes, you can. Last week we talked about yes. So guess where we're going today? We're going to you can. Everybody put your hand on your heart and say, I can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God bless. Stay, stay, stay standing for the reading of the word of the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9 says simply this. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. The purpose of this message today is to get you off of the first half of those scriptures, to get you past hard-pressed on every side, but let you embrace, but I'm not crushed. Perplexed, get you off of that a little bit, but not in despair. It's what we accentuate. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Amen? Struck down, but not destroyed. So what we're trying to get you to do is saying, okay, I'm not crushed, I'm not in despair, I'm not abandoned, I'm not destroyed. No matter what happens on the front end of that sentence, you've got to grab the back end of that sentence. And you've got to hold on and say, this is what God wants me to hear today. I want to give you a little background, then I'm going to preach. 1996, the Lord gave me this message. Eight years ago I preached it I preached it in a few places I put it in a box I put a box in a storage I've got a storage container here in town that's got thousands of my sermons and when I say it I weep because I don't want to lose hard copies but it's stuff that I've used before but the Holy Ghost the other day told me that I want, I want you to preach this Rex I want you to tell the people what you told the people in 1996 I want you to tell them and I said God I will do that he said my word is still sharper than a two-edged sword and I want you to go so brother Ted and I went over to the storage boxes everywhere I picked five number of grace <laughs> and I said God I hope it's here if it's not I'll just preach something else but when I got back the way the boxes are stacked in my office, and if you saw them, it'd blow your mind. But the way they're stacked, I just the other day took the lid off the top box. said, well, here goes nothing. The sermon may not be there. It was a handwritten sermon. It may not be there. But you know what? I turned about three pages, and there it was. Sometime, you know, and I'm not one of these kind of guys. I'm not one of these kind of guys that says, hmm. Ooh, I don't like that one. Let's try another one. Mm. 
I don't do that. I'm not, I'm not the nose bomber, diver, suicide mission scriptures hunter. But I believe God said, that's what I want you to preach. And I'm going to preach today something right out of my spirit. I want you to get a hold of it. So I'm going to ask you to stay with me today. Please, no moving around. Because I want you to get this in your spirit. Because somebody besides you may need this. You may not need it. It won't be lengthy. We're going to baptize these people in the end of service. Say, help us today, Pastor. You may be seated. God bless. Someone, someone stated that the word persistence is simply the willingness to try. Just, just to try. Instead of using an excuse or an alibi, it's the willingness to try. It's simply getting up one more time than you're knocked down in life. What we are in America, what we are in Texas, what we are in Austin, what we are in this church, are people who will continue to get back up and stand for the right things that God wants us to stand for in our world. In fact, the only difference, and I tell people this a lot, I, I, I said it twice I sat by two men on the airplane, one going and one coming home. The only difference between a champion and a defeated man is that the champion gets up one more time than he's knocked down. And the defeated man gets knocked down enough that he stays down. So my theory and my thesis to you today is don't stay down. You got to keep getting up. President Calvin Coolidge said this. He said, nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. He said, talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with the abundance of talent. He said, genius will not. He said, unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. He said, education will not. The world is filled with educated derelicts. <laughs> That's what the president said. He said, only persistence and determination alone will help you reach your goal. The secret, folks, to any kind of success is to have a you can or an I can spirit in my life. Amen? Now, I'm going to make some points here today. I'm going to make about five points. I don't want to tell you it's five because you'll start counting them. That's one. That's two. That's three. I'm going to make about, I'm going to make about three points today, and if I, if I feel it, I'm going to make two more. But here's the first one. Persistence never considers quitting. Never considers it. You know, marriage Sometimes one man said, if, if, if love is a dream, marriage is the alarm clock. <laughs> I think it's so funny when I, when I give premarital counseling to people, uh, it's, oh, hallelujah, you're the sweetest thing that ever came into my world. Pastor, do you feel warm fuzzies in this office? Yeah, I do. <laughs> but, but, but pastor, on the backside of marriages sometimes when people are not doing good, they don't sit on the same couch together. They don't sit real close. He don't put his hand on her knee and pat it, you know, and she pats his hand. So sweet. <laughs> He'll sit in a chair and she'll sit on the couch and they won't even look at each other. They look at me. The alarm clock. Three phases of marriage, one man said, is lust, rust, and dust. <laughs> Over half in a divorce. It's pretty sad. The survival rate of second marriage is only 30%. Third marriage is only 15%. And Diane Medved said the cure sometimes for divorce is worse than the conflict of marriage. 
But I went to that marriage retreat this weekend because I wanted to help some people stay married. I think all of us don't need to give up on what God has blessed us with. You know, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing the lie that the devil tells, the lie that the serpent told Eve, and the lie the serpent told to that couple? Here they are in a brand new world. They're the only couple on the planet. And the enemy tells them in the Garden of Eden where God had set them that this is not enough. That God is holding something back from you. And sometimes marriages fall apart because people think that there's something else out there that's better than what God's given them. Let me tell you something. If you're happily married, if you're unhappily married, you need to get happily married. Because there's nothing greater in all the world than God bringing two people together to form a beautiful covenant relationship under his canopy of blessing. Amen? Amen? Would you clap your hands and say amen to that? There is nothing better for you, married couple. There's nothing better for you, dad. Nothing better for you, wife, than to have a beautiful relationship. And I thank God for that. So fight for your marriage. Quit sometimes looks good in business. People are looking for employment, but many of them are not looking for work. 98 million people right now in America are not working. I don't know if it's a choice or whether they're just unemployed, but out of 350 million in America, that's a pretty high percentage, don't you think? The only place success comes before work is in the dictionary. (laughs) Nothing in life will work until you do. There comes a time when quit looks good in education. And, and I want to I say this to, to all, of our, all of our young people here today that's in the sound of my voice. Get your education. Your pastor is pursuing and pushing you to get your education. Get it. Get it. Learn, learn, learn. But don't let your education get you. Because you can be a Christian in school just like you can be a Christian in the house of God. You can be a child of God in the house of God. And you can be a child of God outside the house of God. And besides that, you need education to know what you can argue and what you don't need to argue. Because sometimes education teaches you how to hush instead of talking all the time. Get your education, but understand that the greatest thing you can have in your life when you're in college is an anointing and a presence of God in your life to help you walk through that college unaffected. Amen? It's like that, like that young man in college that was hovering between a D and F in zoology, and, and his dad said, son, if you fail this class, you're going to have to go to the military. I'm done with you because I'm not going to pay for another semester. And so he went to the class for his final exam, and when he walked in, there was a horizontal pole on a, on a pole, and there was ten birds there with sacks over their heads, and all that was showing was their legs. And the professor said, I want you to identify these birds only by seeing their legs. And the young man looked up and he said, this is a stupid school. And he started talking louder. This is a stupid class. And you, professor, are a stupid man. And the professor said, who said that? And the young man stepped out in the aisle, pulled his britches leg up and said, you guess, sir, you guess. not time to quit on education spiritual warfare quit looks good sometimes it really does we get tired of the fight we get tired of the battle we get tired of Monday mornings we get tired we get weary 
Sometimes our face gets bloody, our spirit gets battered, our emotions get hurt. Some of us have failed in our finest hour. You are discouraged, you're full of despair. Friends have walked out. Satan whispers, you got to quit, you got to quit. But with a I can or a you can attitude, it's causing your head to look up and your spirit to say, I may be troubled, but I'm not distressed. I may be perplexed, but I'm not in despair. I may be persecuted, but I'm not forsaken. I may be cast down, but hell, I want to tell you, I'm not destroyed today. I'm not destroyed. In fact, the good book says that the shepherd will, will harvest a sheep and bring a sheep in out of the fold if he finds that a wolf or a lion has tore that sheep up and there's only two legs and a piece of an ear left. He will bring the remains of that sheep back. He will do everything he can to restore that sheep. You hear me. There's a God that's looking out for you today. It doesn't matter how bad you've been beat up in this thing called spiritual warfare. God is for you. And there's a yes in his spirit that says it don't matter how much you've been beat down. Get your head up. Get your mind back in the game. God is for you today. Hell sometimes throwing everything they can, it can throw at you, but heaven's still pulling for you, and you're still triumphant through Christ. Everybody say, I can. I the book says, look into Jesus, who's the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Listen to your pastor today that loves you. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. David said one time to himself, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. Isaiah said, when you walk through the water, it will not drown you. When you walk through the fire, it will not burn you. I am your God. Nothing shall dismay you. He said, I will make the crooked way straight. I'll lift up the valley, bring low the hill. God said, I am greater than the crisis. And I want to say one more thing. The cross is greater than your conflict. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I can people never, never quit. The second thing that you've got to have with the you can spirit is that it doesn't demand instant answers. You know, there's some people that when they pray to God, if they don't get their answer right then, then they think that God don't like them and God's against them. Some people believe when they got up this morning, really, and went to churches somewhere in Austin, that their problems have to be gone completely by the time the Sunday service is over. That this is just the ultimate car wash. And that everything that's in you bad has just got to be taken out. And, and, and church is an awesome thing. And there is deliverance in this service today. But I promise you, you may not get all your answers between 9 and 10.30 today. You may not get all your deliverances you need between 11 and 12.30 today. But Numbers 27 and Joshua 7 is a beautiful story. And, and it's a story that, that is rarely preached in pulpits. But it speaks of the daughters of a man. He had five daughters. The man's name was Zelophehad. And, and, and we don't talk about Zelophehad a lot. His name means shadow of fear. And he, and, 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 and he had no sons. And so because he had no sons... 
when the, when the, when the, uh, when the blessings were passed out on the other side of the Jordan, when the blessings were passed out, his sons were not there. And the daughters went before Joshua and Eliezer, I mean Moses and Eliezer, and said, hey, the high priest and the leader said, hey, we want our portion. We know that we don't have any brothers and our dad has no sons, but we are his daughters and we want our portion. We want our portion. This is a good thing for women to get a hold of. And the, and the high priest and Moses said, you will have your portion. That was in 1451 B.C. And in 1444 B.C. when they come across and they started passing out the portions. Now Joshua, the new leader, is in charge. Moses is dead, but the same high priest was there. It's amazing. Things may change on the surface, but the high priest is still the high priest. We have a high priest. We have a high priest that can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Amen? And I promise you, seven years later, when they walked into the land of promise, they walked up to the high priest and Joshua and said, Hey, we are Zelophehad's daughters. And he died in the wilderness, but we made it to the other side. We want our inheritance. There's sometimes, folks, when you've got to understand that God works like a crock pot. He's not always microwave. And we live in a microwave society. We live in an instant coffee society. We live in a right now, right now society. But I promise you, if you hang on to the promises of God, if you hang on to the blessings of God, you're going to get yours in this world and going to get more than that in the other world because God is for you. Habakkuk. My favorite verse in the Old Testament, I put it in my book. Write, he said, write the vision. Make it plain. Though it tarries, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not lie. Come on, it will not lie. It will not lie. Don't throw down and say, I'm just going to, I'm forsaken, I'm forgotten, I'm abused. Nobody likes me. Don't do that. Read the back of those scriptures and say, I still have got a God in my life. God promised Abraham and Sarah a child. In 12 years, there was no voice. So Hagar was offered by Sarah, and Abe could not be patient, so he went to Hagar and produced Ishmael, the father of the Arab nation. There's some sitting here today, some sitting here today that just, you've lost your patience with God. You go up, <laughs> you go up and you look at a microwave and you say, Hurry. The carried coffee can't be quick enough. I've seen it happen in my house. I read about a sign one time that I thought was real cute. It said, a sign at a store said, antiques manufactured while you wait. (laughs) There's some things got to get old before they get old. But you can, people, do not need a quick fix. Here's how you handle failure. You give up the thought of ever quitting. Because you realize that quitting is murdering your ability. You know you have a fight. And you have to fight a good fight to win the battle. Churchill said it this way when he was fighting Germany. He said the nose of a bulldog is sloped backwards so that he can bite and breathe without turning loose. (laughs) Oh, I love that. When the parliament voted 800 to 1 to acquiesce to Hitler's reign, the one vote was Winston Churchill. He said, we're not going to give in to that man. And one man turned 800 parliament people around. When a young giraffe is born, you know what the mom does? As soon as the giraffe is born, that mother giraffe starts kicking it. And that giraffe has to get up on its feet 
because mom won't stop kicking until it gets up on his feet. Then when the young giraffe gets on his feet, mom knocks it over. And then when mom knocks it over, she kicks it again to get it back on his feet. You know what she's doing? She's saying, if you don't get up, there's a lion that's going to take you down. If you don't get up, there's a lion in this woods, this jungle out here that's going to take you down. That's what preaching does. It just kind of kicks us every now and then and says, you got to get up. Don't lay down. You can't stop. You can't quit. I used to pastor. I used to pastor a homeless man that came to this church and made good. In fact, he's a multimillionaire now. He was a homeless man in New York City. You know what his key was? He said, Pastor, I never laid down. I, I, I would sit down sometime but never laid down. I refused to lay down and give up on my hope for life. Come on, folks. Don't lay down. Get yourself back up. It's not quitting time. It's time to move forward. Even though your vision is tarried, wait for it. It's going to come. Oh, I love it. You can people refuse to make excuses. All great living comes when you take responsibility for who you are. I know I'm teaching today instead of preaching, but you can people stand up and accept life, their own life. They don't blame others. Because as long as you blame other, blame other people, they control you. Jesus can't get past the blame. He wants to help you, but you're talking about somebody else holding you down, so he's got to fix them before he can come and fix you. Amen? Amen. Churchill said the price of greatness is responsibility. But as long as they're responsible, as long as other people are responsible for you, there's no course change in your life. But in a no-fault society, I'm still the captain of my ship and you're still the captain of your ship. And I rise and fall with what I feel about the God factor in my life. That's why I'm standing here today telling you it's time to not let excuses run and rule your life. There is nobody greater than the God that's in your life. There is nobody more powerful than the God that's in your life. There's nobody more wonderful than the God that's in your life. These people around you didn't heal you. God healed you. These people around you didn't save you. God saved you. These people around you didn't put your marriage together. God put your marriage together. These people around you didn't bless you with children. God blessed you with children. Come on, quit pointing your finger and take responsibility and say, I will. Because I can. I can. I can. One man said an excuse is simply the thin skin of fear stretched across a bald-faced lie. You just keep beating the drum. Jesus could have made excuses because he was, to the world's knowledge, born illegitimate. He was a member of the hated minority called the Jews. He was born in political captivity called a liar, a drunkard, a heretic, an insurrectionist. He could have said, you know, people don't even want me to live. They want to kill me. Judas was betraying him. Peter was cursing him. Thomas was doubting him. But he got up. He had to move a stone, but he got up. He had to break a seal, but he got up. He had to change clothes, but he got up. Amen? You got to get up. And he told us, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Amen. Amen. Don't be an excuse. Be excellent. Say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me.
you can people, I can people overcome handicaps. They do. I love to talk about Joni Erickson. I love her. She was a ski champ. She had a drastic fall one day and became a quadriplegic. But it didn't stop her. She's a great painter now, a great artist, and she paints with the, with the brush, the tail end of the brush in her mouth, and she paints with her mouth. Wow. Franklin Delano Roosevelt was president in a wheelchair. Helen Keller graduated with honors from Radcliffe. She couldn't see, she couldn't hear, could barely talk. Sir Walter Scott had bad feet. Napoleon was an epileptic. Edison was called stupid. Beethoven was deaf. Moses was, had a slowness of speech, led three million, wrote five books, lived to be 120, walked to his own funeral. What's your problem? Pastor, they don't have, they didn't have my, my stuff. They, they, I got some stuff, Pastor. I got some big-time stuff. No, you don't. You've let that stuff get bigger than your Savior. You've let your excuses get bigger than anything that, that the Lord can put on you. It's time for you to say yes to Almighty God and no to excuses and handicaps that says, I can't complete what God has started me to complete. See, Pastor, I've got a slowness of learning. I've got a slowness of speech. Well, I just read to you about them. I just talked to you about these people. I'm telling you, you can overcome anything. I, 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 want, I want to go on record and say this. There's a, lot, there's a lot of things that are diagnosed in the world today. They really are. They really are. There's stuff like bipolarism. There's stuff like that. All those kind of things are, are discussed. There's stuff like, you know, uh, multiple personalities and all. And I know, I know those things are real. But I want to tell you something. More real than any of that stuff, and I've got to preach this, is the power of God to help that stuff. God, God did not leave us helpless in this world and say we can't get past some of that stuff. And I got to researching the other day, and I, I read where a lot of people who are bipolar are great leaders. They're great leaders. They over, have overcome their handicaps and become great leaders in life. And there's some things that if you'll just look up and say, God, I'm not going to let handicaps, I'm not going to let excuses rob me from being the person that I can be in Christ. I'm going to be everything I can be. If I'm a quadriplegic, if I'm a paraplegic, if I'm on crutches the rest of my life, if I'm in a wheelchair, I'm going to praise you with everything that's in my heart. Amen. Amen. I learned how to worship from a blind man. In Kentucky years ago, a blind kid was in a youth camp. And I've never seen a kid worship like that in my life. He's blind. And I went up to him one night and I started praying for him. He said, Pastor, he said, you don't have to pray for me. Don't worry about praying for me. He said, God's going to heal me in his own day, in his own way. God, God. Don't you want to see? Yeah, I want to see, but I won't see when God wants me to see. I don't care because I might see something that might mess me up, and I just love a God that I see in my mind. And I learned how to, I learned how to dance before the Lord from a guy in a wheelchair. He used to do wheelies. I used to, I used to preach in Indiana, and there was a kid there that did wheelies in a wheelchair. He, I said, what are you doing? You're going to kiss him. He said, no, this is my dance to the Lord. My God. And there's people with all their arms and their limbs and everything and their mind and everything. And they sit back there and say, I got too much problem. You ain't got no problem. You just need a you can attitude. You need an attitude that says, I can do it. I can do it. Come on, somebody help me right now. I can do this thing. 
Hallelujah. Paul had a thorn in his flesh and wrote 14 books just saying, say, I can. People can. They can. And I close with this today. I'm sorry if it's been too shallow for you, but I, I just felt this. Persistence is the key to greatness. It's the key to greatness. Ted Banks works at this church, and if there's anybody that just absolutely has won my adoration, it's Ted Banks. He just, what a servant. Worked for the, worked for the federal government for 30 years. I asked him one time. He was a defense CIS person. He he took care of, he investigated big-time crimes. And I asked him one time what he did, and he said, if I told you, I'd have to kill you, Pastor. So I said, that's all right. Now tell me. It's okay. It's But he, he's, just a, he's just a person that can, he can just, there's no, there's no can't in him. He's not here today, so I'm preaching about him. And, and when you see him, tell him that Pastor really bragged on you today. And maybe, uh, maybe he'll do some more stuff around the church. I don't know. <laughs> he's doing wonderful. But he's retired now. But the other day, I, I said, Ted, I, I, need, I need a favor. I said, I've got, I've got some old sermons. I've got some old sermons over in a, in a storage shed. And uh, it looked like the Ark of the Covenant to me when I walked in there, and there's all these big old boxes of sermons. And, and I said, Lord, I don't want this to be a hard thing because I just packed sermons from 90, 91, 92, 93 back in the day when I didn't keep them online, and some of them were handwritten. In fact, this sermon that I'm preaching today was handwritten because I was scared of computers. I thought it was Antichrist. Because the first sermon I ever typed on there, I lost it. And I was mad as I could be. And I wanted to throw that computer in the deep blue sea. But I, I said, God, let it be easy on me. Please don't let this be difficult. Because if you want me to preach this on Sunday, let, let me find it. I brought five boxes back. There's more, but I brought five boxes back. The top box, I opened it up. I turned about three sheets. There it was. And I said, Lord, that's pretty good stuff. Now, now I'm not the kind of person that, you know, does the, the, the bombing, you know, to the scripture. Ooh. Oh, I don't like that one. Let's try another one. Well, that's a little better. We'll get over in the New Testament or something. So some, Jesus say something good. Oh, my God. I'm not one of those people. But I have discovered, I have discovered that if you want to be great in life, you've got to have an I can spirit. Persistence is the key to greatness. It is. Here's a profile of a you can person. Number one, they never say I can't. Number two, they believe God is greater than dot, 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 anything. Number three, they're never hindered by lack. It doesn't matter if they don't have it. They're going to worship God in spite of it. Number four, they're never mastered by fear. First Timothy 1 and 7 said, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. So what does persistence really look like? What does it really look like? You've heard me tell the story about the little bulldog. 
that moved in down the street from two bird dogs. And the bird dogs didn't want him on the property. And he came down one day, dug under the back fence, and challenged those two bird dogs. And they beat him to a pulp. Went back to his house. Next day, same time, he was back at that same backyard fighting those bird dogs again. And the bird dogs were owned by a Baptist evangelist. And he just said, I just thought I need to teach that little bulldog a lesson. And so that little bulldog got beat up again. Came back the third day, the fourth day, fifth day, sixth day, seventh day, eighth day, ninth day, tenth day, eleventh day, twelfth day, thirteenth day. And got whipped again. Every day he got whipped. But on the fourteenth day, he came down that alley again, crawled under that fence, and those dogs were so afraid. They were trembling, those bird dogs were, and went into their master, went down into the basement, and he said, I had to comfort them because they were just shivering because they was afraid that dog was coming back. And he said, here's what persistence is. Persistence means you don't win every day, but you keep coming back. You keep coming back. You keep coming back. Or it's like the little boy that took the ugly dog up to the northeast and the gang said, join our gang or we're, our dog's going to eat your dog. But what they didn't realize was this boy had a dog that was pretty powerful. And when the gang's dog tried to attack him, that, that boy's dog bit that gang's dog head off. And they said, my Lord, what was this? The old dog had a long nose, short tail. It was yellow, stubby legs. He said, well, before we painted him yellow and cut his tail off, he was an alligator. <laughs> I want to share something with every one of you. You've still got the bite in you. you still got the power with you. I don't care what hell has told you. I don't care what hell has said to you. You listen to me. You may be troubled today, but you're not distressed. You may be perplexed, but you're not in despair. You may be persecuted, but you're not forsaken. You may be cast down, but you're not destroyed. last two stories you've heard me tell them but they're just so good I got to tell them Churchill said it this way in World War II he said we will fight them on the land we'll fight them on the sea we'll fight them till the last drop of blood flows from our English bodies we will never surrender here's how you live for God here's how you live for God you get up every day and you say this is the day the Lord's made and I have an I can attitude oh but yes I can don't point at me and say, Pastor, you can, but I can't. No, say, I can. Oh, but yes, I can. And I close today. I close with this. One of the most powerful things that I've ever read in my life. It's simply called, don't quit. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high and you want to smile, but you have to sigh. When care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Life is queer with its twists and turns, as every one of us sometimes learns, and many a fellow turns about when he might have won had he stuck it out. Don't give up, though the pace seems slow. You may succeed with another blow. Often the goal is nearer than it seems to a faint and faltering man. Often the struggler has given up when he might have captured the victor's cup, and he learned too late. When the night came down, how close he was to the golden crown. Success is failure turned inside out. I love that. Success is failure turned inside out. The silver tint in the clouds of doubt. And you never can tell how close you are. It might be near when it seems so afar. 
So stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things seem worse that you must not quit. Oh, but yes, you can. Put the text back up there, please, sir. Put the text back up there, please, ma'am. The text, the very first slide, the text. Put the text back up there. Here it is. Read it with me now. We're hard-pressed on every side. Now emphasize it. But not crushed. Perplexed. But not in despair. Persecuted. But not abandoned. Struck down. But not destroyed. Hallelujah. 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 Somebody needs to worship him today. Somebody needs to worship him today. Said, I've got an I can spirit. I can do all things. I can do all things. I can, I can, I can. I can do all things. I can do all things. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit clcaustin.com.